research and innovations for the public sector, politics and business. News from the Department, Administration, Economics, Security, Politics at FH Campus Wien. Hi, welcome back to the podcast about my research project on access to justice in the era of digital transformation in the public sector. As I said in the previous episode, I'll use this podcast to talk about the things that concern or occupy me during my research and to report on how the project progresses. So I'll first talk about um, a little bit about methodology and data collection and then go on to discuss some of the first preliminary findings from my first case study. At the moment, I'm actually quite happy to say that the field research in Quebec, my first case study, where I've spent five weeks, has gone very well. The Protecteur du Citoyen, the Quebec Public Ombuds, has actually been really supportive um, and that has, of course, enormously helped me to make good progress in data collection. During the last weeks, I've been organizing and conducting interviews and um, with ombuds staff and NGO representatives, as well as organizing and conducting focus groups and interviews with citizens, that is, ombuds users in Quebec and Montreal. Also talked to a few representatives of the government, public administration. Um, altogether, I managed to talk about uh, talk to more than um, 30 ombuds staff and 25 citizens, as well as around 10 representatives of other organizations. Uh, that includes NGOs and ministries and public administration bodies, um, organizations that work in the field of social justice and also administrative support for citizens. Most interviews took place in person, but some also online or on the phone, whichever the concerned person preferred, because there were different preferences to that. Also to cover the north of Quebec, since I was located only in Quebec City and also in Montreal, I wanted to cover also the northern aspects of Quebec, um, because the north of Quebec is very different from the south in, in many ways. Um, in particular, it's much, much less populated and the population is also to a larger extent uh, indigenous. So to cover that reality, um, I've also conducted a few um, online interviews with support and uh, community, community organizations. Um, as you can imagine, managing this quite large number of interviews and focus groups in two different cities was quite a challenge for me. Mm, identifying relevant organizations of different kinds and also persons to speak to in a place that you don't know can actually be quite a difficult, demanding task. Um, then also contacting um, all of them for an interview, recontacting, recontacting them if you don't get a reply, organizing appointments and locations, keeping track of all that um, There are uh, there is a number of tasks that need to be done. At the same time, since the next case study is already waiting, I've also made some preparation for this next field trip, including again identifying, contacting potential interview partners in other places. I've been quite busy. Um, and what I find uh, crucial about contacting potential interviewees is 
And what I what I also realized during my research is how much you actually have to adapt your approach every time you contact someone. So I've been contacting so many different actors, from ombuds staff to citizens to NGOs and government representatives, as I've already mentioned. And so for every group or person or even for every organization, you really need to formulate your inquiry in different ways. Um, and describing my research in different ways is not only necessary because they can each provide different perspectives on the issue, such as experts on legal support or indigenous community support or health service complaints, but also because it's important that they can connect to the issues and the questions that I'm interested in. Because otherwise it will quite easily happen that people think they have nothing to say to me in that matter, they can't contribute anything. Um, and then it happens quite easily also that they might deny the interview because they think that they're not the right person for my questions, which might be the case, but um, it's uh, still a risk that I'm taking, actually, uh, talking to somebody. And um, usually it's, it's, it's a productive um, conversation anyways. And also the fact that I follow an explorative approach in my study has both advantages and disadvantages in this regard. It makes it easy for me to formulate rather different questions for different persons. But at the same time, it also bears the danger of becoming really broad and potentially unfocused. Um, but actually, in my opinion, the focus is really a part uh, or finding the focus is really a part of the whole endeavor that I'm undertaking. And um, what I also found very important in um, like finding interview partners um, though that was not surprising since it's a well-known aspect of methodolo methodology, um, is that the snowball approach has also proven quite productive in the sense that there were um, several persons with whom I did an interview and who then facilitated contacts to other potential interview partners. So this is uh, really helpful and, and that definitely enri enriched my data and broadened the spectrum of perspectives. Okay, so now uh, I guess what most people are typically interested in um, most are the findings. I'll share with you some first and preliminary conclusions from, from all those interviews and focus group discussions that I've conducted so far. Um, as, you're, as you remember, I'm interested in the challenges that are related to access to public services, and I understand access in a very broad way. It includes potential barriers both before accessing service and also during using them. I'm also looking at this uh, not only, but also from the perspective of the increasing digitalization that is taking place. And as it's an explorative study, there are many different aspects that I could talk about here, but I'll just focus on a few of them and um, especially on the issue of digitalization. But really, to sum it up, there are there is actually a number of problems, and um, when they are added um, up, it shows that uh, there are actually quite a few construction sites, as we would say in German. So there are many things that need to be fixed, and it's not really easy to know where to start. So about digitalization, uh, when we think about Canada, country of the global north, and uh, we typically assume that most people will have access to the internet and to digital services. But there is quite a number of regions, and I'm focusing now on the province of Quebec, 
where there is no nor stable and no broadband um, internet available for a different number of reasons, among them the large distances, but also harsh winters, very cold winters. And um, there's also a part of the populations, for example, hunters, who sometimes don't really have the need or no desire also to even use a computer or use the internet or a mobile phone. Um, So nonetheless, several citizens have expressed uh, the opinion that digital tools and platforms are increasingly imposed on them when using public services. And oftentimes they find that they don't have a choice anymore and that um, other than using the online services. Um, that, however, does not only require an internet connection, but also access to a device as well as the respective skills or literacy. Speaking of literacy, that's really another major problem when we talk about access to public services and also in general. In 2013, there was a government study that found that um, 53% of the Quebec population were functionally illiterate. And um, by the way, 49% was actually the Canadian average of functional illiteracy. And this means that these persons um, usually have difficulties with tasks that need more than basic reading skills, very basic reading skills. And a more recent study from 2022 by the Quebec Alphabetization Foundation suggests that things have not improved really much. So I'm asking myself, how will these people, and that's about half of the population, how will they be able to understand all the terms of an administrative or legal procedure, filling complicated forms online or to apply for for any benefits, for example. And quite a few interviewees um, said that even though they have a good education and sometimes even though they've been working in legal contexts, they still they find it difficult to understand and fill in correctly all forms. Um, and another problem with these forms is that it's often not very clear for people who are using them which of the boxes they should check and to know in which of the categories their case will belong. Often also you don't have the possibility of adding anything there as you might have had when, when the form was on paper. And this relates to another fact which was mentioned in some interviews, namely that the government, as many other things actually, are increasingly becoming self-service places. So instead of a public official who will tell you exactly which form you might need and which would be the right one and handing it out to you, now as a citizen very often you have to go find it for yourself somewhere and if you're lucky it might be the right one. Um, Another point is that in the interviews people also complain that it's becoming increasingly difficult to to talk to someone in the public administration. Often you won't get the name of the official that you're dealing with, so you don't actually know who you're interacting with. And this makes it very difficult also to hold someone accountable for their action. Emails are often sent to and from general addresses and not signed by individual persons. And in order to see someone in person, sometimes you need to book an appointment online, which seems a bit bizarre if you can't or 
you're not able to use online services or you don't simply don't want to. Several interviews have also pointed out that the digital services provided by different public bodies are very fragmented. So that means um, some ministries will offer certain online services while others don't. And also for every ministry or agency, you need another password because they're using a different platform. And it was suggested a few times that a kind of one-stop shop for public services in a unified platform could make it a lot easier for citizens and not having to know um, how to work with, for example, seven different tools and platforms and knowing all the login data. Another aspect that's related to this and that was discussed quite often is that the interviewees, both citizens and experts, sometimes have the impression that the services are not actually designed for the benefit of the users. So even if the government agency, for example, might think about citizens' needs in the beginning, during the process of developing a tool, it seems that often the organizational needs will actually get more attention. And also it was mentioned that consultation processes where the public is consulted in order to find out what what are their needs and their issues. Um, These processes, um, they're actually sometimes rather seen as checkbox exercises in the sense that agencies will do some kind of consultation, um, but mainly to be able to say that they have done it and who was really consulted and in which way often remains unclear. So overall, the the citizen and expert interviews, some of them, or actually quite a number of them, suggest that the public bodies often do not listen sufficiently to the needs of citizens, um, which is somewhat disturbing given that citizens are actually the ones who should be served by public services, since public administrators are public servants, that is, they're there to serve the public. But yeah, what's more, um, many interviews think, interviewees think that the development of digitalization goes way too fast in the sense that many people don't have enough time to adapt. Um, many people find that the transition to online tools and services is not very well accompanied and people in need of support are often left to the side. So there are many people in need of support, not only as you might think of some of the elderly, for for example. So overall, from the interviews with these different actors, um, citizens, ombuds staff, other experts, one could actually get the impression that through increased digitalization, the public administration is creating more barriers actually than rather than making access easier for all parts of society. And yeah, another aspect in Quebec is also might be questions questioned um, whether the law that is um, coming into effect um, in order to protect the French language and which foresees that all public services must be used in French, whether this restriction will make it any easier for persons who do not speak French at a level where they feel at ease to go through an administrative procedure and English is actually an official language in Quebec. 
So as you see, it's not all that easy. And um, those are just a few of the problems or challenges the citizens and public bodies are confronted with. And that seem to require action sooner rather than later. Adding to that, there is quite a number of other problems that are not related to digitalization, but that also represent barriers in accessing public services. Among these are bad previous experiences, such as discrimination and related to that mistrust towards government bodies and their representatives. And as you might know, in the history of Canada, including Quebec, governmental action um, and, and other actors, action uh, has led to a situation where these issues have been and are still particularly detrimental to the indigenous population in many ways. And I'll talk about that a bit more in the next episode, which will cover my next case study, the Northwest Territories which has an indigenous uh, population of a bit over 50%. So I'm looking forward to that. Thanks again for listening and stay tuned. Research and Innovations Department Administration Economics Security Politics at FH Campus Wien